What's up, guys, and welcome back to Paint Bravely, the podcast where you can find a little bit of encouragement, discover new ways to make your hobby more fun, and most importantly, learn to paint bravely. Now, today we have some good back and forth. Uh, I think we've both done quite a bit since the last time we talked. Uh, we've got busy a little week. bit of, yeah, definitely a busy week. It's been a real busy week. <laughs> um, got some got some hot tips to throw out there. We got a little bit of news, and uh, I think I think that's that's what's going on today. So why don't we start off as per usual, Brent? What did you just pour in that cup, and how have you been? Uh, this is lemonade. It's a it's a hot day out there. It's a real scorcher. Mm. So we're doing lemonade today, and mm. I've been great. Thanks for asking, Casey. You know we're gonna we're gonna start it right off hot here. Not with a hot tip. We're gonna save that for right. later. Yeah. Keep you interested all the way through, but. I just need to let you know, in case you're not already aware, you can turn space marines into fishing lures and catch some some pretty nice bass with them. That's right. That's right. The experiment <laughs> needed to be done. I did it. And somehow, somehow it worked. It is now my favorite thing on the internet. Thanks, Casey. That means a lot. It means <laughs> like, a lot. By far. <laughs> It's wonderful, so <laughs> wonderful. So the the ultramarine did a pretty good job, and the imperial fist really did a good job. Should yeah. have guessed it with the uh, the imperial fist. You know, I was talking about uh, the last time, last podcast. Uh, you know, we were kind of making predictions about it and stuff. Um, a lot of votes, I think, uh, at least for me, for that that imperial fist, because uh, I had that spoon that was like the yellow spoon with the big red dot. Like that has mm-hmm. always done well for me, and that's that's essentially like classic Imperial Fist, right? They got the red trim on the shoulder pads, and they're all yellow. So, yeah, not, there's not a couple of ways that you can yeah. paint Imperial Fists, but they're all yellow. And mine, indeed, had the red trim on the shoulder pads. Yeah, I feel it. He had mm-hmm. the he had the correct uh, iconography as well. <laughs> you know, the the fist on his on his left shoulder pad. He had the the arrow for for mainline troop on his right shoulder pad. He was looking, he was looking okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> he was looking okay. Yeah. I mean, come on, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a little more credit. Like he, he looked pretty good Thanks. for like, like a, 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 you want to call it like a battle ready tabletop marine. Whatever. He looked good. He did. Yeah, he was, uh, he was a test model from, I don't know, maybe a few months before he actually started the channel. So I was just real quick and dirty, throwing on some yellow, throwing on some washes. Learned how to put some decals on there. Yeah. He, look, he looked okay. I, I cleaned him up just a little bit to make a lure out of him. I did freshen up the red trim just a little bit because I knew that was going to be real important. Yeah, yeah. that contrast in those fish makes makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. So, um, man, I don't, I don't know where we go from here, but... Uh, I, I guess you definitely can go fishing again. <laughs> I could go fishing again. Um, so something I did find was that durability was a little bit of an issue. So okay. partially with the paint jobs, uh, on a few of them I was noticing it seemed like some paint was coming off. I did put on three layers of, of airbrush varnish, but okay. maybe I should have gone out and just gotten the most toxic industrial uh, spray paint varnish and just gone heavy, you know, used uh <laughs> 
use my strong finger on on, right. on the trigger on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could see how that would maybe lock it in a little bit better, but I don't know, man. Like uh, drag underwater, like water yeah. is it's not light. Like you're no, pulling no, pretty hard. Like yeah, it's serious. And they they all caught fish, and so the, you get a little bit of fish juices in there. Uh, friction on water, fluid <laughs> dynamics. Yeah. Um, also, there's there's a lot of uh, rocks in that lake, and so you try to cast yeah. near the rocks, but sometimes I was just straight up whapping those uh, <laughs> space marines against the rocks, just donk oh. like falls into the lake. Which, if you're using a a steel spinner or you're using you know a Rapala, you got your maps, you got your Rapala, whatever's on there. Normally, that's a that's a perfect cast as long as you don't actually hook the rock. That's like. Right, you it, get stuck. It just yeah. plops right next to the rock. The rocks are, are kind of where the bass like to hang out. Um, but here, if you just chuck a space marine at a rock, uh, it's not... <laughs> it tends to break. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I was actually thinking about it. I was, I was wondering if we could turn this one little nugget into an entire episode talking about durability. And I don't think we can, but well, I think we could. I think we could... I mean, it, uh, it would require a little bit more planning, but um, for real, there there are some model lines, GW and otherwise, that just are more durable. I mean, Space Marines are thick, they're up thick there. of limb, thick legs, thick arms, thick chest, uh, squat little head where the neck like goes around the head a little bit. Yeah, just, a little just bit of protection. Really, everything is is uh-huh. locked in place, and. Yeah, if you're going to be throwing any model against a rock, Space Marine is one of the <laughs> like it is it one of the better it. ones. You know, uh, orcs might do all right. You know, I would I I'd, I'd almost take a step back from that. Orcs um especially the older ones are in multiple pieces. They're okay. multi-part kits. So you got an arm, an arm, a torso, a head, some legs. It's a lot of joints. A lot of places where an orc could break up against a rock. I don't think fishing with orcs would work as well. <laughs> That's actually a good point. So the the pieces are lost. Uh, a couple of them lost their backpacks. Their little space marine backpacks fell off of the Imperial Fist and I think the Blood Angel. And on the I had one Chaos Space Marine painted up as as Alpha Legion. But definitely lost. I think he lost his shoulder pad first. Then he lost that whole arm, and then right. just his opposite hand fell off. Um, well, that, so two of those weirder. were at actual joints, and one of them was just <laughs> yeah. the, the hand broke off somehow at the wrist, like got yeah. lobbed off. It's just in a bass somewhere at the bottom of that lake. <laughs> He's munching uh, on possibly. Yeah, yeah. who knows? <laughs> I think. I think my. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if I want to call it my favorite part of that video, but the part that actually made me sit up and go like, "Oh no," was you putting that tripod on the rock. Like that got me so hard. I was just, "No, oh my goodness!" Like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's gonna fall in there. What if a wave comes or another boat comes by? So, but it didn't fall in. I'm assuming. It did not. It did yeah. not. So, all right. So my setup was I had a a tiny dinky little canoe. So you know me, small. I yeah. like canoes. Um, I'm I'm in my 30s, and I don't even think I can work an out 
outboard motor. Like, oh, <laughs> don't say that. What are you doing? Uh, <laughs> That's but, embarrassing. <laughs> but I can absolutely work a paddle. I mean, you watch those videos. My J stroke is is pretty good. I can get around in a canoe. And you know, as as I've moved a couple times in my life, I've bought Craigslist canoes, bought and sold. And you know, I I do enjoy the classic two seater canoe. Uh, whether you have two people in the canoe or not. Mm. And I I actually really like a three-seater canoe with, with oars. That's a, that's a really stable fishing vessel. Sit in the middle seat of a, of a three-seat canoe with the oars. You can get around pretty fast rowing. And then when it's time to slow down and do some fish, you got that stability. Yeah. But, man... I've got a one-seater canoe right now. I think it's like 10 feet long, which is for, for a watercraft is very short. That, that is short, uh, yes. And it's not wide. Like, it no, is as wide no, as no, you no. sitting cross-legged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You tilt that so thing I hard have this dinky little one-seat canoe, and I love it. And, and uh, in some of the shots in that video, you can see... The fish grabs the space marine, and they're not huge fish, but the fish grabs the space right. marine, and they just get <laughs> drug across the lake, and it is, it's a lot of fun. I could see that uh, being, you know, it's like, it's like the idea of using a lightweight line so that you can feel the fish more, like it's yeah. definitely more of a, a a game, it's more of the fight, that kind of thing. So like, yeah, okay, being in like a small boat where the three and a half pound at best bass like pulls you across the water like yeah that'd be oh, fun yeah. i don't a couple of them might have been close to two pounds but these were they were fun they were fun but uh not not huge yeah. fish but yeah getting getting pulled around yeah and anyway we were, we were talking about cameras so i so i figured out uh, I had one camera strapped to my head. I had one uh -huh. camera mounted to the bow of this dinky little boat. And those were ended up being pretty good shots as long as I had them pointed in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. And then just for a little more variety to make the video good, one, I bought like the, the cheapest underwater camera I could find for, I think, 50 or 60 bucks. And, okay. And uh, so I got some shots of just underwater and... Most of them turned out pretty bad, but I got a few shots of like the lures zipping by and and stuff like that. I, I did enjoy those. Yeah, I yeah, was ho I was yeah. hoping for a fish. I was hoping to see the fish. Me too. But yeah, I mean that's just one I, of those things. I I caught a couple of shots where there were a few minnows swimming by, but all right. Maybe maybe a future video if if we go far far down this stupid stupid pathway. I mean it it depends. Like there have been offers to now fish, like in florida with space marines so i'm just throwing that out there that's, that's, that's true that the may table. be a that may be a future episode we'll we'll see how it goes <laughs> um but yeah where, where we're going with this is then i took the one camera that i started goober town hobbies with uh -huh. which is it's like 400 dollar camera but i've since then i have definitely gotten my fair use out of it like it's it's paid for itself at this point it's uh it's a trooper uh, I don't want to lose it, but I'm willing to take certain <laughs> justifiable risks. Sure. <laughs> and so, actually, in a in a lot of the shots, it's actually kind of stowed behind where I'm sitting in the canoe, and and for most shots, you can't see it. Um, but then I did stop at uh, at land a few times, set up the tripod on land, pointed at the water, 
go fish around just to get some some establishing shots some some nice b-roll of this dinky little boat floating around with a with a goober in there fishing with space marines <laughs> and it, it ended up being the most convenient place that i found to set up this this tripod with this actual real real camera on it was not, just not on even rocks in the middle of the lake. <laughs> yes. So like the uh, feet are sticking out of the water. <laughs> oh my god. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, so this is this is a lake in in northern New England and the glaciers went through here tens of thousands of years ago and they carved up the land and they left behind a ton of boulders everywhere. And so this is a lake that has just giant boulders sticking out of it which one makes it hard to motor about motorboat around there's no motorboats there's no jet skis uh a canoe actually is a very good vessel for this lake yeah but also there's just uh like tiny little islands of rocks sticking out all over the place <laughs> and so it's really easy to paddle up to one stick a stick a camera turret on it like you're yeah. you know in, in tf2 or something just stick your camera turret on there <laughs> point it somewhere and go off and fish and so one of the very last shots of that video is i showed a little behind the scenes of me just paddling up to this stupid camera sitting on a rock and the rock is just barely big enough for the three legs of the tripod i think one of the legs was yeah. actually submerged yeah it was that that back leg and i'm just like oh man that that could have gone at any second right i <laughs> I will point out, though, that that rock weighs like 45 tons and oh, sure. hasn't moved anywhere in the last 10,000 years. Oh, I'm, I'm not and, worried about the rock, no. I'm worried about <laughs> a wave coming by and just gently, gently pushing the tripod over and you coming back on, where's my camera? <laughs> well, there's a lot of geometric stability to a tripod, you see. That is true. But, it's the tripod. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the really the the only risky part is me reaching from the canoe to pick up the the tripod. That's that's the actual risky part. There is yeah, is just me and everything else in the canoe uh, tipping over <laughs> as i um, you know, oh. yeah pulling you know, three pounds of equipment uh, <laughs> right yeah <laughs> far outside the center of gravity of the canoe. But yeah, very true, very true. Yeah, but anyway, that was that was fun. That was what I was up to, and. Uh, kind of a surprise champion was the ultramarine and for the ultramarine i used uh, an old second edition sergeant model mm -hmm. and so it's the yeah you know one of the plastic models that came in the second edition starter and he's got a chain sword out to one side and he's got a bolt pistol and i think that is all a single piece he he came with a second piece of plastic that's the backpack with a, i think a little flag sticking out of the back of it uh i didn't use that in this case because that would get kind of fouled up with the with the hook but he i think that model was the only one that took no damage during all of this <laughs> and so so again that durability because it's a single piece of plastic yeah that sure i drilled a hole through but uh it's a single piece of plastic and uh, yeah. I actually did actually did get a comment of of somebody saying like, well, you know, that's that's a little bit of a historical model. I was, I was kind of scared that you you risked that with with fishing. 
And <laughs> nah, nah. That's... <laughs> nah, like, they... how historical? Come on. Well, the, well, the second that. edition sergeant is that so specific? Like, well, you know, guy made his his video about the the retro unboxing, and and uh, I mean, second edition in some ways was first edition of forty k because sure, first yeah. edition was Rogue Trader, which is kind of a different thing. Yeah, that was an <laughs> RPG. Yeah, and so in, in some ways, second edition forty k was. Yeah, it was a very important box, and so that that sergeant is a very well known and important model. Even even though tens or hundreds of thousands of that model exist out there somewhere, yeah. uh, many of those models were were thrown away by mothers uh, somewhere between you know ninety five <laughs> and two thousand and three. But yeah, those are the those are the models that succumb to the vacuum cleaner at one point or another. Uh huh. Like for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Billy's toys got thrown out while he was at college, or or what have you. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. There's there's the question of of is a model ever too historical to turn into a turn into a lure? But I think that just adds more character to it. You know, <laughs> Space Marines they go into battle. Space Marines risk themselves all the time, but they shall know yeah. no fear and. This one made it back alive and in one piece, and he's started out a veteran, and now he's still a veteran. He's a fish right. veteran now. He's a fishing veteran. <laughs> yeah. Yep. No, but but just as the in the fishing hobby in general, like you you do form memories and attachments to specific lures. For sure. Like, yeah. Um, Man, this this one was the one that the mackerel were biting on, and just every cast I caught like two mackerel on every cast on this lure. Oh wow! <laughs> and 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 I also remember it because I forgot to wash it off afterwards, and the hooks were rusted away. But I put new hooks on there, <laughs> even though it's all scarred up. I kept using it, but yeah, you, you get these attachments to lures, and they they level up, they gain experience. They're 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 your yeah. favorites, and so. You gotta take risks sometimes. You gotta risk your favorite camera. You gotta risk your favorite space marine, <laughs> ultramarine lure. Um, that's the way it is. Because when those risks pay off, they pay off. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's very true. So, what have you been up to, Casey? Oh, you know, nothing. <laughs> well, you said the mailman came. Yeah, that's true. Um, a lot, of, a lot of stuff actually. Um. Yeah, I got I got a whole bunch of stuff in the mail last week from from random people. Stuff I was not expecting. Uh which is always really cool and nice and uh yeah. I just thought I'd bring it up here as well. I, I talked a little bit about it in my last video, but uh you know, it just deserves mentioning another time. Um somebody sent me uh some Q tips, some hobby Q tips some special ones like real tightly packed so that uh, if you're taking off like an oil wash or something that it doesn't get hairs all over the model because if you use regular q-tips for that stuff which you can uh, it tends to leave a lot of hairs and it looks really bad so yeah frequently uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i got some of those uh like a gallon of bits a literal gallon bag of bits um, 
which I thought was pretty incredible. It's a lot of crazy random stuff I don't know what I'm going to do with yet. And then I got this Nagash. I just got sent a Nagash. Wow. Yeah. Right? Wow. Right. So that's what I'm saying. It's worth mentioning. Like, like thank you to who sent this to me because I'm not actually sure who it was. That's weird. Um, you know yeah. who you are, and yes. and Casey is thankful, and and I'm excited. So <laughs> I think we're both thankful in our own way. Well, the the sad thing about this Nagash is like he actually is painted like pretty decently. Like it's not bad at all. So Give I don't some know. Some accents, what I'm do. a cool base, <laughs> right? Know? I'd be like, okay, this Nagash is now. So I don't know. It feels it's interesting because like. You know, I get stuff like that in the mail, and then all it makes me want to do is be like, okay, well, now that he's here, uh, we can work on that, and I'm going to go spend like $600 buying all the skeletons, and we're making a new army. That's like, like, that's exactly where my mind goes, and I'm like, all right, what's, you know, what's next after I'm done with this, like, Death Guard army I've been working on, and it's, it's got to be something, something fresh, the gash. Seems pretty good. I don't know if that's where I'm going to end up going, but, uh, you know, new format, new new way of, of doing the eBay miniature rescues, getting models like this in, like, it's time to start building more armies. Just filling okay. out armies, you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, yeah just, just throwing ideas out here, though, but you got that new ultrasonic, ultrasonic cleaner. That's true. Probably that Nagash. Most of it fit right on in there, huh? Actually, yeah. Uh, luckily enough, it's it's big enough. <laughs> I think I think he'll fit right in. Yeah, so I can I can probably drop him in there and and you know it'll get most of the the paint off because you know like I said it looks pretty good. Uh, and then I can I can kind of start from, well, it's an, from scratch. It's an option. It's yeah. an option for sure. Um, all that being said, uh, I uh, what else did I do? I judged a painting competition for a local tournament. Yeah, it's called RageCon. Uh, it's a yearly convention that's like kind of it's being started right now. Uh, I think this is their second year so far. Um, it was pretty big. It was held at the Game Castle in Reno, uh, Reno, Nevada. If anybody's familiar, um, yeah, there were about sixty people there. I'd say. Uh, really nice spread of armies. A lot of really well painted armies too. Like, hmm. like there weren't really any just armies where people just didn't bother. Like they were all so like everyone tried, right? Well, that makes that makes judging a lot harder. I'd say it did. It did actually. Yeah. Um, luckily, when I got there, it was already narrowed down to like the top ten. Um, so I didn't have to do like a lot of the judging. It was more just like. Just the hard part? Yeah, the hard part. Like, picking <laughs> picking the actual, like, winner. Um, it, was, it was pretty cool because I was also joined by Caleb Wisenbach from CK Studios. Uh, if you're familiar with their stuff. They're always at conventions, teaching classes and stuff. Um, so he was there, and we both basically just checked out the armies and uh, made some decisions. And it was it was pretty fun. It was nice going out, being at an event with a bunch of people. Um, you know, obviously the whole idea was if you're vaccinated, like you should probably come to this thing. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it was really 
interesting to be in a room with that many people. I bet. Like, it's been a while, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It felt good, though. Um, yeah, so so uh, were you just picking winners, or did you have, a like, a rubric, or, or what kind of... What kind of event were they running? Um, so they had their rubric and they picked, like I said, the top 10. Um, and then from there, it was basically kind of a personal choice. And we we would list the top five uh, out of the, the last 10 that we liked the most, like one through five. And they would be given points for those like whatever slot like if if they were the best looking army that we thought was the best they get five points right um so whatever i thought was the best might not have been whatever caleb thought was the best so you know the points up and down who knows um but that was how it was decided so i didn't actually have to go off a rubric it was more of a personal choice kind of thing and then all the points that they were given were tallied up at the end our points were taken into consideration and then a winner was chosen from there. Um, mm. I'm not, I don't know how most tournaments work. Like I have to assume there's usually more to it, but you know, this was fun. It was pretty casual. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just glad to actually have gone out into the public space, and, like been a part of something. Cause it's been far oh, too long. Oh, for sure. Just, yeah. Yeah. I also wish I got to play, but I didn't. Well, maybe next year. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, good to good to venture out and, and take stock of what tournaments are like these days. I'm, I'm jealous. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what else to say about that. It was. Uh, it's like okay. it's not a unique experience, but it's just I don't know. I guess it's just been so long that. Uh, just feels weird and unique like, you know yeah i mean things are things are opening up again around here like you know every time i go to the mall food court there's fewer people wearing masks and the line at panda express just keeps on getting longer and longer so sometimes i go to the japanese place and get their shrimp shrimp and chicken combo and teriyaki that's good but um yeah you've been getting out in the world and gaming and and recently me and my friends just discovered uh, Spell Table, which is a new-ish way to to stay at home in a game for, for Magic the Gathering. So Yeah, you're going to have to explain this, because I've never heard of this, and it is fascinating. Yeah, I, I, I was blown away. It was, it was pretty cool. So, you know, it's obviously not mini-related, so we won't spend too long on it, but the, you, you set up a camera, like a webcam, just pointed down at your desk. And you take your physical deck of magic cards and you play your side of the table like you ordinarily would. And anyway, it's uh, Spell Table. I think it's just spelltable.com is a program set up by Wizards of the Coast to do exactly this. And it is able to, you know, not only does it kind of have a nice UI to, to show whose turn it is and show what they're doing. There's, you know, life counters and stuff on the side, but, and, and it has pretty good, uh, what's, what's the word? Like audio and, and, you know, visual and everything. Um, but it also has a way to like zoom in on people's cards. So most people who just hang a webcam over their desk, 
the resolution is not going to be good. The lighting's not going to be good. Things are not going to be in focus. Mm-hmm. And that was certainly true of my friends. Now, you know, <laughs> I, 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 let's be honest. My my table was crystal clear quality. Right. I was turning 4K. off and on lights to make <laughs> yeah. sure that there was no glare on the card sleeves. Like, oh, my yeah. side of things was taken care of. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, but But even if you just have a regular webcam... Um, you know, your opponents maybe can't read your cards, but they can see, you know, kind of, you've got some creatures out, you got some lands out, they can, they can basically see what you have going. But then if they go and click on a card, the spell table program will search its library. And most of the time it can recognize what card that is. It'll, it'll pull up the file and give you a big clear version of that card. So you can read the text which is honestly better than what you can do in an actual game. In an actual game, <laughs> I mean, it, it's very common for, wait, what is that card? Can I see that card? Yeah, like can I, can I read that? that? There's so many cards out there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because there, there are so many cards out there and, and very common. It's just, hey, can I read that? What's, what does that one do? Um, but here, just while you know other people are taking their turn, you can just be kind of checking up on things. Let's click on this. Let's read this effect. Let's let's read this creature. And and sometimes, if especially for my friends, where that's like really blurry and just a really <laughs> stupid setup. Yeah, what one of my friends had hung the USB cord for his oh, webcam no. from his ceiling fan. Okay. <laughs> and dangled it down far enough oh, no. that it was basically pointed at his table. Um, but still, the spell table mostly recognized the cards. Every once in a while, it would bring up something that was just obviously not the same card. But, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was... Uh, the future is bright. That was actually a pretty doable way to have a game of... We played Commander, so there were, there were four of us online. And you can... You know, as other people are taking their turns, you can switch and, and watch anyone's uh, board that you want. And so it's actually easier to to be aware of everybody else's play state than it is in a, in a regular in-person game. So Right, upside down. <laughs> yeah, uh, we kind of just all started doing this a couple of days ago and having a lot of fun with it. But uh, apparently could have been doing this for the last six months or, or 12 months or whatever. But uh, yeah, yeah no, it's... If if you are into Magic the Gathering, check out Spell Table. Uh, very cool. Um, but the my one link to our mini painting hobby is that for for plus one plus one tokens for the little chits that I that I put onto my characters, uh, I used uh, I used the chits from the Cursed City game, the Warhammer Quest right. Cursed City. <laughs> so just that release became so toxic because they overhyped it under delivered and then uh disappeared all references to the game of cursed city that right. um that's what yeah there's left. there's a bit of toxicity surrounding that game so yeah it uh, sucks man <laughs> it's it's because i have i have cursed city sitting next to me i got the foam insert i want to play that game i want to be able to like yeah get models painted knock it off the list put it in the foam insert you know but we did talk about that. We did. I feel it feels like it's dead. It's just dead. It sucks. So stupid. 
Ugh. Yeah, those those models are going to stay a bit toxic for a while, but yeah, I've, I've made two videos with those models and um <laughs> uh, you know, both of them have some comments in the comment section like that are just super negative because of the uh disaster that the release and and the PR campaign was. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But uh so <laughs> So my response to that has been like, I'm, I'm just not going to make any videos painting Cursed City models until maybe 2025. By then, those right. will be retro models <laughs> be and retro. cool throwbacks. Uh, remember uh, that time when GW screwed everybody? That was no, great. No, no, th- that'll that'll have faded uh, oh, yeah, in four totally or five faded. years. But yeah. it'll still be like, oh, Glario Van Alten is a really cool model. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That'll yeah. still be there. He's still going to be a cool model. Whoever designed yeah. that did a great job. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, every model in that box is like pretty sweet. Yeah, that's that's, that, why that's it stings sad, so bad. Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's why it sucks. Yeah. Um so so I'm I'm holding out for, you know, call it twenty twenty five. I've fair. taken my cursed city box off of the shelf behind me so that I don't bait out negative comments that way. <laughs> uh, but but in the meantime I have found a way to put it to use the the chits the little cardboard chits in that box yeah perfect tokens for for playing magic nice. there's there's little circles of cardboard that have numbers on them man i was i was playing uh brina the demagogue and she gives plus one plus one tokens all the time so i was putting putting my cursed city twos on there my cursed city's fours and, and sixes it was actually players. a really really convenient way to play like i got my spell table i got yeah. my cursed city chips uh a very well managed and organized game of, of magic the gathering edh commander wonderful wonderful yeah um that's enough of that we can get back to talking about minis now but i figure you know there's there's a venn diagram here and a lot of this a lot of this overlaps i mean it, it really does considering the magic was created as almost a a companion to Dungeons and Dragons, you know, of, uh, well, D and D takes forever. Like what can we do in the, in the downtime when we're just talking about it? Like, Oh, let's play some magic. You know, it, it fits very well. So I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think anybody's going to be like, Oh, I'll get that magic talk out of this <laughs> podcast, you know? <laughs> so whatever, that's fine. Um, speaking of the disaster that was cursed city dominion, Seems to be doing ridiculously well and is not sold out currently. As we are recording this right now, you can go to the Games Workshop website and pre-order your box even right now. Well, hope that statement doesn't age very, very poorly, Casey. Okay, that seems fair. <laughs> but as I think a, by the time this podcast comes out, you can just buy it in stores. But that's actually very true. Yeah, and or and I wonder what you that's can't look like. buy it in stores. Yeah, or <laughs> we will see about that. Yeah. But I mean, it, it's interesting because it's been way longer. Um, it's still going. Like mm-hmm. there's there isn't all the the, the scalping, you know. Um. Although there was, um, so I had notifications on eBay, right? Just in case. Um, I bought a box off of, I actually didn't buy it off of eBay. Uh, and here's why. Because the scalped prices were higher when they first started coming out on eBay on purpose. They were assuming that there was going to be a shortage. Turns out there wasn't. I just went right onto the GW website 
bought it for 200 bucks mm-hmm. and uh, free shipping to my local Warhammer store. Um, yeah, which I, I don't usually do, but it was a weird kind of backwards thing. Now that it's been a week, um, prices have stabilized and you can pretty much get a box for the same or less in some cases. I think the the lowest I found without shipping was like 175 so you know you're saving twenty five bucks, um, but yeah, I don't know. It depends. Um, but I I was uh, I was pretty hyped for Dominion. Still am, and I plan on getting at least another half of a box. Uh, mm-hmm. Right now on eBay, which half? Yeah, exactly. Which half? I'm not sure yet. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's the weird thing. So I would have said orcs. But then I was kind of thinking about it, and it's like, you know, I had that Stormcast army that I painted all Stonecast a while back, uh, and that was a really cool project. Like, it looked really cool. It was pretty unique, uh, even though, you know, the idea is old. It's been around. Um, and I thought, you know, it, it'd kind of be nice to just have a 2,000-point Stormcast army just on hand. And, you know, with the, the, the new Stormcast being what they are, you know, so different from the other ones, I thought... Okay, they're probably going to do a few more uh, releases for those. They're going to look a certain way, whatever, and it's going to fill out the rest of that army. Because in the Dominion box, I think I think it's a thousand points per side. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, you buy two Dominion boxes, you got four thousand points. You got two thousand points of each side, right? Um, but like I said, I think they're they're going to put some other stuff out. Um, but my thinking was maybe. I'll paint these new storm casts like the stone casts that I had. And that way I just have kind of an army going something that's easy to fill in something that, you know, you, you, something new comes out and you go, okay, I'll get a box of that. Cool. You know, paint mm-hmm. it up in, in an afternoon, right? A couple hours. Um, and that, and that just kind of makes sense. Like you can just have a, a fairly flexible army going. And it's like, you, I could do the same thing for the, the orcs, but like, I kind of want to paint the orcs like orcs. So it really depends on, on how the paint lays down on those guys. If it's kind of a pain to like get a lot of work done on those. Cause like normal orcs, 40 K orcs, not difficult to paint, right? Like you get a lot yeah. of those done real quick, but we'll see about these guys. Well, well, so that's actually what I've, what I've been working on. Um, I've okay. been, yeah. So, so I've been an orc player or at least an orc collector way, way back. And we talked about this last episode, but I've I've been quite concerned that the cruel boys, despite being sp- spelled with a K and a Z, are yeah. not funny. And uh, <laughs> and, and so I've been are. like, this has been my mission. I've been sitting down at painting up and trying to be like, what if I use what if I use really fun colors? Can I make them? Can I make them fun? And I'm I'm still having a problem with it. Like it's it's tricky. <laughs> They're not smiling. Like there's only so much you can do. You can. You know, take your kid to the best photographer in town, but if your kid doesn't smile, it's going to be a bad photo. Yeah. So, yeah, and, they, you know, the pot grot, he should be a funny little dude. He's, uh-huh. he, he's he's from a race that's spelled with a K and a Z. He's called a pot grot, and uh-huh. he's, just, he's just not smiling. He's, he's just this angry little dude, like, not happy about stirring up his bruise. Oh, man. And so, so yeah, I've been... I've been testing out some paint schemes and 
in terms of difficulty to paint, I mean, I think they're a lot like regular orcs. You've you've got skin, you've got armor, you've got leather, you've got uh, sometimes like rope or, or you know a different kind of leather. Okay. And so and and you know metal and and wood for for your weapons and stuff. So it's yeah. a similar arrangement of materials in terms of placement. You know, same kind of distribution of that stuff. So if you think orcs are relatively straightforward, I mean. I think they take a little bit of work getting all the the belts and stuff. Like there's there's yeah. a little bit of micro to it. A, a little uh, bit, yeah. Like especially with the the AOS ones, like they have been more difficult. The iron jaws are uh I mean it's not it's not the worst thing in the world, but it is, there's a lot more stuff, uh a lot more distinction between items. Like the 40k stuff, I don't know, just just works yeah. to like paint fast, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're straightforward. There's uh, some of, some of it's a little bit slow going. Like you know, they've they've got ripped shirts and ripped pants, and you got to yeah. paint the little you know patches of flesh in, in between those those holes and stuff because they're not they're not patching their stuff up. And if they are patching their stuff up, you got to paint the patch right, a different, it's a different color. color. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a little bit of work to be done there, but um, in terms of difficulty, very similar to to any other work. Um, yeah. But still, still trying to to find fun colors that work, and yeah, my my issue with the box art on those is it's it's kind of green and red, yeah, and in in yeah. some ways it's like a mockery of fun orcs. Like <laughs> fun orcs are are green and red, but yeah. but these are just like a little bit darker in the box art. Uh, again, it's all just a little bit more serious, and it's it's just this uncanny valley of orcs that are not fun and right. unorky valley no 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 no. i won't say unorky <laughs> valley but that's what it is it's an unorky valley you uh an uncanny orky valley mm-hmm. we're gonna workshop that a little bit we'll get back to you uh, unkill a canny valley no sort you get in there no get no there. i okay. think look we should do this off air because <laughs> it's it might take a minute I take, take a little bit to come up with that one. <laughs> Although you know, as a as just a helper, a uh, segue, if you will, you know, what kind of maybe hot tip could I potentially use to make painting my orcs even easier, Brent? Casey, I'm so glad you asked that oh, because good, you have a solution. that is what I wanted to segue into, and I was hoping you you know weren't just going to segue in the wrong direction. No, segue, like we are on the same and, right, page today. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Okay, so my hot tip of the day, and I ran this by you beforehand just to make sure you weren't going to disagree with me too hard on this hot tip. I but, don't think I can actually disagree with you. Like, okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go out there and say it. Black is not the best color to prime in. White is not the best color to prime in. If you are priming a model with a single color, the best color to prime in is red. red brown red brown what were you gonna say nothing okay red brown i said gray but i, I was joking it was a joke <laughs> yeah i if you're doing an off-white i'd i'd do tan i'd do tan yeah it's not bad either yeah yeah i think in, in some, gray in some ways is kind of miserable because you it, still it got is, like yeah. the coldness you got uh-huh. the coldness of black but you have the the like 
show every spot where you forgot to paint yes. uh, of white. So well, and, and that's the issue with the lighter colors, anyways, is it will show every mistake that you make. Whereas black tends to cover up a lot of your your mistakes. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, dividing lines are now shadowed, right? But okay, so just having that out there, right? Like why white is what it is, why black is what it is, why is the reddish brown superior? Okay. So, I mean, the basic idea here is paint is translucent. You're getting a little bit of the flavor of whatever the base coat is, whatever the primer coat is. And in my opinion, so many of the materials and colors that we paint look good over Mm red-brown. So, first off, just... In in the off chance that you are painting some some reddish brown things, there you go. Good, good, good. <laughs> right. Uh, a lot but of but also anything that you're painting regular old brown, that's going to be easy to put your beastie brown, your oak brown on top of red brown. No problem there. Leather brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's all going to work out all right. Um, but also, let's say you're you're painting gold. Now forget the orcs for a second. Let's paint up those stormcasts that come mm. in the Dominion box. You wanna you wanna paint them gold. Yeah. Brown is a great base coat for gold, and especially if you want to do like a reddish gold, mm-hmm. get that red brown base coat under there. There Pretty you go. So, yeah, yeah. And and so a lot of this is is the warmth that you get from brown and red mm-hmm. that you do not get from a black base coat. So the the problem with with most blacks uh, is that they're they're cold, and mm-hmm. so uh, sometimes when you paint a color on top of that, one of the reasons why you have to layer over so many times is because the color looks bad because it's kind of that 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 coldness is is seeping through. Yeah. Even after multiple layers, yeah. Um. Not so with brown. Now, let's keep going. Let's say let's say you're painting flesh. And this this is for most shades of flesh mm-hmm. from you know most shades of human flesh even through most shades of orc flesh. Red yeah. brown yeah. is a good base coat color. And so um I've been painting red brown for a while and and I was I've been working on my my lads here for a while, and I did see a video from Vince, of course, where he where he uh, did some undercoating in in red brown, um, and Vince knows what he's talking about. So so we're all onto a good path. Here. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, Vince Vince makes the point, uh, which is, you know, blood is red. And a lot of times when you're painting flesh in kind of the, the shadowed regions, you want to uh, to make the, the character seem alive is, is get some of the, the blood showing through the skin to make it look a little more realistic. And so if you have that reddish color, the, the deep reddish color showing through under your skin tone in some places, like whether whether you're doing so intentionally or not, that's going to make the model look more alive. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, this is just a, a general rule I've learned a while ago, but yeah, the, the shadows make it a little more towards the color of the blood of the character mm-hmm. and the highlights make more towards the color of the, the light that's lighting the, the character up. 
Um, but if you have characters that have red blood, then red-brown is a perfectly fine base coat for whatever flesh you're doing. Yeah. And, I mean, another way to think about that is take a, take a pot of Reichland Flesh Shade, uh, use it for a couple of minutes, then accidentally knock it all over your desk, and then you soak up that giant mess of Reichland Flesh Shade with a paper towel. That paper towel is now red-brown because the shade color for flesh, for Reichland flesh at least, is yeah. red-brown. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm going to come in right here, mm-hmm. interrupt you with my hot tip. And that is, if you are going to be using Reichland flesh shade, I would suggest mixing it 50-50 with the gloss version of Reichland flesh shade. And that is because when you have that gloss varnish in there, while the end result is going to be a little glossy, you know, you might have to matte varnish it down later. Uh, generally not, though, when it's 50-50. It looks really good over golds. It brings mm-hmm. the warmth in, and it has the, uh, what do you call that? <laughs> capillary action. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that gloss is going to give you a little bit of that capillary action. It's going to go for those recesses a little bit better. It actually works really well on faces, too. It seeks out those recesses and gives you the hard, warm lines that then when you go back and highlight makes it a little bit easier. I've been doing this for a while now, and it is definitely uh, one of my one of my little like secret go tos. So, yeah, since we're on the subject of Reichland flesh shade and warmth in the shadows, thought I'd throw that out there. See, we're just right in line, killing it today. It's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now. Yeah, if I if I am ever prepared to buy two bottles of Reichland Flesh Shade <laughs> at the same time after I knock over a single bottle, then yeah, yeah that is fourteen dollars in Reichland Flesh Shade. <laughs> but you know what? You're probably not going to run out. Like Look, it, you mix both those together, you got Flesh Shade for days. Okay, <laughs> like we, we had a previous tip that you should probably pour most GW products, especially washes, into uh, dropper bottles. Yeah, and I do have but, that fifty-fifty yeah. mix in a dropper bottle. And it's labeled, and it's what I use. I don't even use the pots anymore. If you want to double the amount of Reichland Flesh Shade that you have while also making what you already have even better, yes, get some gloss. Yeah, okay. I I have not tried this out yet, Casey, but uh, I trust you. It's worth doing. To a point, yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to give that a shot. So, yeah, Reichland Flesh Shade is red-brown, mm-hmm. and... Of course it is. That's a that's a great shade color for flesh. It's because it gets that darkness, the warmth, and kind of the the blood red mm-hmm. uh, in, and it and it totally makes sense. So, if as long as your orcs have reddish blood, then that's a that's a fine base coat for their skin as well. Um, you know, sometimes when when you see squidmar or or somebody doing a really awesome orc one of the things that makes it so cool is that they go in and they put pink or red or or just you know pinky flesh tone Mm -hmm. at their elbows and knees and a little bit on their nose and it's it's the the little hints of of red kind of the the spots of skin that are are tight or raw or or Mm -hmm. you know that blood is flowing to one one of those it's it's the little bits of of reddish tone that make the paint job so cool. Mm-hmm. And so 
you know, just an easy way to incidentally make sure that you're getting a little bit of that in there. Prime red brown. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. yeah. And and Casey, uh, so I've I've used this next trick before, but you want to talk a little bit about rusty rusty metal? Rusty metal. Yeah, yeah. So um, a lot of the the Death Guard army that I've been working on recently, like the last 10 weeks or so, um, all has been started with black primer, gone over with kind of a red-brown, basically. Like, go right over the top of it with a red-brown or a rusty brown. Apparently, mm-hmm. Brent, Brent has also been doing this with a bunch yeah, of... Yeah, I've, I've got 100 skeletons here that were primed in oh, black yeah, yeah, and then yeah. over the top, red-brown. So yes. I'm right there with you, Casey, because these yes. are going to be rusty skeletons. But no, continue with oh, what you were better. saying. I didn't even know that. That's, yeah. that's amazing. Um, yeah, so what I've been doing is if there's anything that's just pure metal, uh, then I'm, I mean, I have a whole, like, I don't know, regiment for dry brushing large metallic objects anyways um, that I'm pretty sure I've talked about before. I guess I can go over it again real quick, but... Um, you know, you get your, your, your black in the shadows, you get your rusty brown all over the place. Um, I like to dry brush over the top of that with gold to start. And again, it brings that warmth in, right? Uh, and it gives you that that nice mixture. Now, I'm not going over it too hard, but then I come in with some uh, some other colors, depending on what I'm end result is. Usually a, a purple and a, and a brown for the shadows and a green for the highlights. Just lightly over the whole thing. And then I run over it with silver. Um, Alternatively, if you want something super rusty and gross, then you just kind of lightly dry brush over the red, brown, and black with silver. And you have awesome metals that have little hints of, like, rust in them. Um, Mm. And then you can accentuate that with, like, brighter rust colors where those are are sticking through. So... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's super There's a ton of variation on that. I mean, the... One of the recipes that I really like for rust is is starting out with red brown and then using a sponge and using a sponge to put on uh, darker browns to put on lighter oranges, uh, maybe some some true reds and just get a mixture of of browns and reds and oranges all kind of splotched on there. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, take a take a dry brush and put on as, as much, you know, silver or steel yeah. at the edges as you want where there's been like chipping and so there's a little bit of fresh metal showing through under that that uh, layer of nasty nasty rush. Mm-hmm. And now yeah, use some washes to make some some weird stains and stuff on there. There's there's a lot of stuff you can do, but yeah. Um I mean that's that's probably the best way to do rust. Like you can even come in with just a paintbrush and like say say you're looking at like a bolt pistol, right? And it's rusty, and you've done that. You you've sponged on some different colors, but you started with that base, even just the base. You just tap with your brush like on some of the corners, like just as randomly as you can around the model, following a lot of the lines. And so mm. you kind of like it's like your 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 edge highlighting, but you're doing it like really randomly, and mm-hmm. it's it's the hint of that metallic in there that makes it look like rusty metal because yeah. you're, you're essentially just giving it a little bit of that shine saying this is metal underneath this other stuff. So your brain just automatically assumes it's just super rusty. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Too. That's, yeah. That's absolutely. Well said. So 
Okay, let's let's keep running down the list here. We've got rusty metal. <laughs> rusty metal. <laughs> yep. I I think gold is perfectly fine to put over red brown, depending on you know what what shade of gold you're going for. There are, there are different colors of gold. Um, yeah. You you know any any cloth or or you know any any like leather sort of stuff that you want can can look fine over over red brown, mm-hmm. and then. Honestly, most shades of skin tone, red brown is a fine place to start layering up from. Yeah. Even even green skins, yeah. So Yeah. Um so yeah, you know, I've been playing around with these orcs and I've I've primed them in a few different colors, but most of the ones that I've painted so far I primed with red brown. Mm-hmm. And it, it it works on pretty much all of the the textures that I'm working on. Like it's uh a good place to start yeah. and so yeah that's that's what i had to say about this hot tip is yeah re- reject white and black and gray <laughs> and uh get yourself some some red brown and maybe some tan yeah that's that's what you need um i will say though if you are painting something not necessarily metallic not necessarily that you want to end up being a red brown or have that kind of undertone um, if you prime that way and then do a zenithal over the top of that, you can still have your shadows with that warmth and that darkness to help you. Um, and then using like a zenithal, you can do a filter of some other color over the top of that. So if it's something weird, you know, you might end up doing like blue armor or something. You know, who knows what it'll be, but um, you still have that that kind of warmth, and that's fun to experiment with because you can go all sorts of directions with that. You know, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, I'm I'm happy with that hot tip. It's a good that, one. Yeah, yeah, it was a deep one. That doesn't always happen, but I was pretty happy about no, that. That was, that was extra hot. My hot tip was just like an addendum to that entire subject. Hot tip. It flowed together. It was it was wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> All right, so. Oh. So I've got a, a you, I was going to, I was going to make my confession. I've, I've stopped my hobby streak. Oh, I, I got to like 2.30, 2.40, something like that. But I yeah. stopped my, my daily posting on social media of what I've been up to. And I mean, it happened when I was at the lake. The, the internet was not like, good. Yeah, like ironically, all fishing with space brains that somehow ends your hobby streak. I, I think I would give you a pass in this case, but you know. No, no, no. I mean... It, it's not that I'm not getting hobby done every day. Right. It's that I no longer need the training wheels uh, that are right, the right, hobby right. streak. Okay. Um, I'm I'm getting hobby done every day. I I uh I don't need it. And someday I may return to the hobby streak. There's a there's a certain fun to the discipline of it. There's a certain fun to uh mm-hmm. you know get getting your stuff out there on social media, but. For now, I'm I'm gonna walk my own path, and yeah. Dana Howell is just gonna keep forging ahead <laughs> yeah. into the the eight <laughs> nine hundreds and, and beyond. Yeah, is she over a um, thousand yet? I, I swear, it feels like it. I think she's high eights right now, but I, oh, I could be wrong. So much. That's so many days. <laughs> I it mean, is, the, the weird is. thing and is like we're already thinking about this stuff on a basically a daily basis, and I know not not everybody does, and that's the idea. You know, but we are in a weird, unique position that it's yeah. right in front of us. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we'll see. I mean, if it turns out that I devolve into just playing more and more uh, Total War Warhammer Two and three. and or or three, three, and then just yeah, new battle mode. I mean, yeah. look, look. It, I think I can avoid the worst of the temptations and, and still get hobby done every day. Yeah. But uh, I stopped the hobby streak. Um, I mean, really, the danger is is getting to where Dana is. You know, once you once you're over a year, <laughs> you can't break that. Like that becomes no. like something something Almost your like brain a... will no longer allow you to break that that beautiful <laughs> right. hobby streak. And then you you know you work for it at that point. Right. Uh, you yeah. And so that's yeah. I, I I don't know if I want those shackles. You know, I right. I think I had to break it before a year. I had to. That makes sense. So when yeah. are we gonna get a, a hobby streak for like posting YouTube videos? Is that gonna be a thing? Go easy, man. <laughs> just be cool. Oh yeah, yeah, I didn't set any parameters. <laughs> I'm just asking. <laughs> uh, look, I today actually we're recording on a Tuesday, mm-hmm. and I posted a video today. This is the first Goobertown Tuesday in yes. kind of a while. That so well. it's been two years. No promises for next Tuesday, but you know, we, hey, yeah, guy, no promises. Uh, Goobertown Tuesday streak of one is still not bad. Perfect. That is that is that not was, bad at all. That was going to be my thing. This is a kind of an inside joke, but it's the I don't know the the common release schedule of of uh, YouTubers trying to put out one video a week or if not more but you know right, you get yeah. into that that weekly schedule of i post on on mondays or fridays or whatever i was going to be tuesdays that was my plan yeah i and remember that one yeah. time one time i got up to a streak uh, a hobby streak goobertown tuesday hobby streak of four and i was pretty happy Ooh. and then then i fell off that particular wagon but at any time when i happened to post on a tuesday I, I smile a little bit to myself. And right, yeah. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes a keen eye observer will uh, will leave a little comment on that video of Goobertown Tuesday Returns. Tuesdays are anyway, back. No, no streak on, <laughs> no particular streak on that horizon, but I, uh, Seems fun. I don't need the training wheels of hobby streak anymore. If you do, that's fine. If you're having fun with it, that's fine. I'm off for now. Perhaps I'll return later, but... Yeah, who knows what the future may hold. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, I've been printing a bunch of stuff out, and it's it's kind of been a thing. Like, weirdly easier than it was last time, but I still feel like I know nothing. You know, you just get, like, a good run of 3D prints out, and I you're do. Like, I did not screw these up. That feels pretty good. I do. Good. Yeah. I do. There's, um, yeah, if... If you don't have a 3D printer, and, and even if you do, uh, this is a very common experience where sometimes everything is working, all mm-hmm. of your prints are coming out great, and then something just changes, and half the prints come out, and the other half is just stuck to the... <laughs> yeah, the, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> stuck to the just stupid... a pancake. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and sometimes nothing works at all. Yes. But uh, I, think, I think actually temperature has something to do with it and so okay temperature that. has been hot recently for oh, i assume 108 everyone. today 108 yeah yeah and yeah. for printing this uh, seems to be most people's experience that 
hot temperatures are better than cold temperatures for getting successful prints. So okay. just okay. just a possibility. Or maybe you're just your your build plate is so level right now that you're just cranking it out. Well, the, the nice thing is like I leveled it and like I've just, I've been taking prints off of it and like not touching it. Like being super careful. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing is about at least the, the printer that I've been using, the um what is it, like the any cubic mono. Um the build plate is built in such a way that like I don't have to grab the the like joint where where you level it. I can grab it from like the the actual plate. So if I'm like mm-hmm. wanging on the thing trying to get something off, right? Like hitting it, uh it's not gonna actually move the level, right? So yeah. I I feel like I've been having some good luck with that and I've gotten a lot of a lot of stuff done. Uh, printing out a whole bunch of Nurgle stuff because I'm trying to convert this night up, and I got all this stuff in the works for this stupid thing. Uh, yeah, Prices going uh, on your recent video, the the dozer that you printed off for yeah, that Rhino yeah, yeah. looks Rhino. really good. Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was a that was a good kit. Um, and what I felt was a good example of like here's something that aesthetically looks like GW that doesn't change the model at all that I can throw on and it just looks like part of my army, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I love that. I love that about 3d printing. You know, you just give it, give it, give it a little extra, you know? Mm-hmm. So that dozer blade is going to get a similar treatment to my other Chevron dozer blades. Um, although I've got that like lime green and a nice yellow going, I'm not sure if I should do a different color. Like if I should do that, like fluorescent pink, you know, like get that trifecta going. <laughs> like like grapefruit pink, going for the the citrus. If yeah, if I was gonna do that, yeah. I don't know. Uh, blue or or teal came into my mind. So those, oh, teal those always good. look good. But that's actually a good call. Uh, I like that. Yeah, teal is hmm. always a good call. Like there is no wrong time to use teal. That's true. It was, I was trying it on some of those Dominion orcs, and it's a possibility. I'll tell you yeah. what. Oh, right. oh, 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 oh. Uh, so I actually have some some prototype airbrush paints in in my possession right now. Prototype. And yeah, yeah. So you've got your secrets. I've got my secrets. But well, uh, yeah. the the world may see them uh, later on. I I don't know. But it's a uh, yeah, a, a paint so. brand is coming out with a new line of, of airbrush paints, and so I was trying those out, so I, uh, I took, and of course one of the colors they sent me was, was turquoise, or, or teal, depending. Like a good yeah. pure turquoise, though, because that, honestly, like in, in an airbrush line, or even just in a bottle, like turquoise, right, is so hard to find. It is. I, I don't know it why is. it is hard, but it it just is. Like nobody has a pure, amazing turquoise. Like I always have to mix it. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you know, we we may have definitions of what's turquoise and what's teal and uh, you know all yeah. that stuff, but but it's it's a, a I've got a blue green in my possession, or or a greenish blue maybe. I don't know. <laughs> One or the other, um, and, and actually, the this this line is is selling as triad. So what I did is I took a uh, black primed tau piranha, and I just started okay. you know doodling around and making spots and splotches and stripes and stuff. 
-hmm. and layering up from uh, dark teal to mid teal to light teal, and it looks good. It yeah. like, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. If you if you watch Coobertown uh, Hobbies, you may know that I I mostly spray inks. Like I I prime and then I use inks. Uh, and although I have some airbrush paints, I don't use them very often. But actually, I was having a I was having a good time with this stuff. It, it made me want to to try a little harder. There's still still just a little bit of speckling. Like if you look close, you can be like, okay, yeah, this was this was done with an airbrush, and you're getting a little bit of speckling in there. Yeah. But it yeah. was very fine speckling, and the overall effect. Uh, it was actually a moment where I thought to myself. I could actually paint up a Tau Force or a Drukari Force oh, with this kind go. of pattern of yes. black background with with little, you know, kind of random patterns and almost like a camo effect of of teal or yeah, yeah that probably uh, a lot of other colors could could Drukari look good with that look too. Good. Yeah, yeah. So, um. I forgot what we were talking about, but I I just remembered I I had fun with my air. it was it was having fun with the airbrush and and at any time I, uh, I I did feel like I took a little step ahead because I had fun using an airbrush paint and and I've had tons of fun using airbrush or, or not like airbrush inks. inks but putting inks yeah, through my airbrush for sure and this was just one of the better experiences I've had with an airbrush paint. That's interesting. So I just thought I thought I'd mentioned that. You said teal. That's what happened. Yeah, I did. Yeah, you well, were you, you were doing dozer said, yeah. blades. You were thinking about teal dozer blades because uh, you were three D printing. Boom, back on track. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, but okay. So I obviously you can't you can't talk about whose paint line this is. I think I have an idea, but um, you know I'm sure that'll that'll come out eventually. Um. But like having fun with actual airbrush paints, um, I don't think we've ever actually talked about this because like we both obviously airbrush. I think I'm I'm more the like pushing for it more often kind of airbrush person. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm wondering if that's because you haven't had very good experience using airbrush paints or just getting the right consistency or or, that, or speckling yeah. issues or whatever that is you yeah. know is that why you don't use the airbrush more often i think that may be the case so hmm. i actually have come to really like the airbrush mm -hmm. and i am tempted to use it all the time I, I actually limit myself a little bit because i know that a lot of people watching at home don't have an airbrush so i try to have yeah. some projects where i use it a lot and some where i try to restrain myself and be like look i did a zenithal highlight uh you're not gonna you're not gonna kick me away from that unless i'm just doing straight red brown but the even that rattle kick. yeah oh yeah do a zenithal prime maybe on camera maybe not and then and then paint with a brush but yeah i, I actually really do enjoy the airbrush uh i enjoy everything about it yeah um except of course the I don't like splatters. I don't like the. I mean, I guess it is the airbrush texture. It is of yeah. tiny of, overlapping of having dots the, that the, create opacity. Uh -huh. 
yeah, the the way that one color fades into another when it's not a perfectly smooth transition, when you can kind of zoom in and see that there's tiny little dots that sure. make up that transition. Yeah, Interesting. and and so so that's what's going on. So so if you uh, if you've ever tried to zenithal prime using airbrush paint instead of white ink, so you have a black yes. model, you load up with airbrush paint white airbrush paint uh -huh. and you try to do a zenithal prime I mean you'll basically get the effect basically. but it won't be as smooth and if you look there'll be tiny little dots of white that kind of fade from the the lighter grays to the darker grays that that transition is made by how many little tiny dots of white that are that mm. are visible to the eye especially if you're looking for them for sure um yeah. the I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to jump in and be like, "Hot tip," you know. But uh, ways you to could. get around that are are the the whole next level marriage system of uh, marrying your colors. So if you want a zenithal with white paint over mm -hmm. the top of black paint, then why not mix your black with your white first? Do a zenithal, mm -hmm. then a little more white little more white you know what i mean right. and, and that's yep. that's the way that you get around a lot of that stuff like you have to be more patient like you really have to just be on your trigger the whole time and make sure that you're not overdoing it you're not laying it down it's almost like you want the paint to hit the model and dry immediately mm -hmm. so like that trigger control is very important when you're just using that paint and people who have mastered that like is them the the it's the best Right, the best transitions yeah. with the brightest colors. Inks being introduced like not that long ago, I feel like, um, really changed the game as far as that yeah. goes. Um, yeah, it, feel... it's just like finer particles or something like that that seem to give. Yeah, it's like there's easier more color transition for less liquid or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's definitely a lot smoother, and I'm sure that has to do with like. However, or, or the way the binder analyzes. flies through the airbrush and, right. and for the size of particles, something like that. Something um, like that. But no, you you make a really good point, and that's that's why I was uh, wanted to talk about white on top of black to to really emphasize the yeah. the bad look of that <laughs> <Yes>. speckling. Um, <laughs> but part of the reason I think I was having a better experience is because I was using this this triad of of teal or turquoise paints, and so it was black. And then I was using dark turquoise, and then I was using mid, and then light, and that and that that is that uh, intentional kind of transition that you're just talking about there. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and if if they're yeah. designed to go together, then the assumption would be that it is a mixture of the dark and the yeah. light, and that's what you get your midtone from. Yeah. You know, it's not yeah, some I mean, it's just a formula, but yeah, it's just a question of whether that darker turquoise is going to have a visible speckle over the the black i guess and yeah. and i think there's there's a lot of experimenting that i still need to do i need to sit down and have a day where i really teach myself thinning and air pressure i think yeah to to really get my control as as good as it can be over over that sort of stuff so uh, I could see, and yeah, that I'd... that definitely has a lot to do with it. Once you've once you've found a good air pressure, like I I've found that I don't change my air pressure that that often anymore. Sure, like it lives yeah. at like thirty, 
Me too. all the time. Me too. Um, yeah. And it's like every so often, Which if I, I found I to be good to. for inks, but I, I, I don't know about, yeah. you know, paints, right? Right, right. Uh, I mean, for paints, it's it's kind of the same thing because you can thin your paints down. Um, now, obviously, if you're thinning your paint too much, then it becomes an issue. And then what are you thinning it with? You know, what kind of pigment? Is it going to break? Whatever it is. So, so it depends on the paint. Um, but like more of the highly pigmented paints, you know, you can thin them down a little further and they stick together. Um, and you can run them just like an ink. You know, you just have to be careful. So, I don't know. I, I think, yeah, like, dedicating a, a few sessions of just, like, doing all the experimenting would be would be a good call. Because yeah. I, I think you are, like, on the cusp of, like, getting over that little so barrier, close. right? So of, of getting into yeah. this new world of, like, well, I can make my paints do what my inks do. And that mm-hmm. just opens up the possibilities. Yeah, and I, and I think I would want to sit down with a black primed model and my white, my white paint, and figure out right. how to make that white paint as not speckly as possible. Because uh, I kind of use that as the like know. the hardest thing to do and the most obvious when it's working and the most obvious when it's not working. But, for sure, um, for sure, yeah. But yeah, for for an airbrush paint, I I'd prefer if I didn't have to to do my own thinning. I would. Uh, I mean, I, I understand that you get a little bit more in the bottle if you have to thin it out, but I'd really yeah. prefer if it was, you know, <laughs> all done for me. Just just putting that into the cup of the airbrush. Yeah. Maybe I'll change the pressure. Well, uh, yeah. But anyway, so I've, uh, that that was a fun thing I did this week. Uh, yeah, doing some airbrush sprays over just a black base coat, leaving some of the black intact, and then having having other areas of the model, you know, kind of fade into some really fun colors, in this case, teal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I've got a feeling that this may show up on Goobertown again at some point as, uh, as yeah, the vehicle design for, for either Tau or, or Drukari or, or something else yet to be named. We'll see. Sounds awesome. Man, I, I totally bogarted your, uh, your 3D printing. <laughs> Not a hot tip, but <laughs> but we were talking about dozer colors, and we just got off on to. I mean, I got off on a teal. Anytime you start going off on teal, like I'm right there with you. Like teal is, <laughs> it's a it's a wonderful color. It's a wonderful. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like uh, just because we're we're still on teal, because I decided so. Um, if you mix golden high flow acrylic. Blue and green makes a great teal. Like fifty fifty hmm. those, it's it's so good. Yeah, and it and that actually feels like ink because they're high Ooh. flow, like super thin and like ridiculously pigmented. So mm. you don't need a lot, and and it's definitely like you're not really seeing any speckling, and like uh, because they're ultra transparent, like it. It's almost like it's more transparent than actual ink. Um, do you know, like, if you do, like, yellow ink that's transparent over white, and it eventually, like, it picks it up nicely. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like the, the golden stuff, like, takes even a little bit longer. Like, if you if you have a black to white gradient, like, it will pick all of that up, but it, it takes longer, but it looks more vibrant. Hmm. Yeah. So it, it's interesting paint. Uh, but the teal, you can get is. That's my go-to 
right now. So good. Yeah. So good. <laughs> I feel like there's been a lot of a lot of painting talk in this episode. So I taught a painting class for a local convention. So this is uh this is PortCon, Maine. And it's a convention in, in Portland, Maine. It might actually be South Portland, Maine. Um, it's a it's a nerd convention. I think there's more maybe cosplay than anything else. I haven't actually been in person, so it's it was a hybrid convention this year. I think they did the, the cosplay in person, and then I, a lot of other stuff was online only. Mm-hmm. Um, so I taught an, an online painting class, and I had my... My camera's hooked into a Zoom call, and so it was actually like a pretty good tech setup. And uh, there was one student in the class, plus the plus the panel moderator, plus I think another uh, event coordinator. But um, that was that was fun, just uh, getting inv- trying to get involved in in the local nerd economy here. And yeah, uh, yeah, hey nowhere to go but up so <laughs> yeah uh I, I think this particular convention i mean it's a nerd convention some some gaming um fantasy sci-fi all, all that good stuff and i think the the like minis and mini painting and mini gaming side of this particular convention has been a little bit lackluster the past couple of years but we're gonna build it up we're gonna we're, we're starting with with one a student and next year we're going to have more next year is going to be in person oh yeah and be able to just grab people off the street and, and fill those seats if we need to uh you know grab some grab some bronies from the hallway and see if they see if they want to paint a, a pot grot or anything and yeah, yeah i think oh, it's yeah. gonna be good yeah <laughs> that sounds cool man so so that was uh it, it was fun. It was just two hours of essentially a stream, but but having a conversation, talking, and I was painting um, actually another copy of of uh, Danny three D printing DM uh, the Lost Adventures Volume Two, the Turtle Folk Druid. Yes, awesome, <laughs> lovely, lovely model, and painted it up in a in a different paint scheme, and actually the paint scheme that I ended up. Uh, kind of crowdsourcing from the the couple people in the chat there was was green and ochre and red brown okay. and and I and, <laughs> and then I then I took that and applied it to some works from D- Dominion and it's yes. one of the better paint schemes that I found so far so no that makes a lot of sense anyway that was that was a nice little uh, Sunday activity. Teaching, teaching a convention class, and and I got a good feeling about 2022, 2023. We're going places. Yeah, I think so. Like uh, nothing, nothing really stopping us right now. Yeah. No. Now you're involved in your local community. I'm, I'm doing what I can here in mine, and that's what we've all got to be doing. Seeing. Seeing how can how we can help out the local mini painting scene. I think so. Speaking of helping out the local painting scene, another one just getting it in there. Um, not that it's really okay. It's not really. I'm just saying that. Um, I'm gonna be hanging out at the Game Castle in Reno, Nevada, 
every third Friday of the month just to hang out and paint. There's a hangout and paint session. Uh, I'm going to try and be there as many times as I can. I know that uh, Caleb Wisenbeck also is going to be there and a couple other people who are much better painters than I am. Um, Golden Demon winners, essentially, which is which is insane. If you're anywhere near this area, so it's the third Friday of the month in the Reno Game Castle. Yeah, so uh, actually really looking forward to that. Like, uh, it's a just casual hangout with a bunch of other people painting models, like, Sounds like a good time. Yeah. That yeah. sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, you know, not necessarily helping my local community. Like, I'm sure yeah. I'm sure I could I can answer questions, but like, you know, it's more yeah. of a hang out and paint and learn. But and, look. Yeah. If if anyone wants to dox Casey, you follow him to the game castle every third Friday. You find the party van. You place It'd a tracking be beacon yeah. on the party van. <laughs> And, um, look, I'm not going to tell you what to do next, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think, think I've got you far enough at this point. You know, what's stupid. We have, uh, we have a, a shop in town called the spy shop. It's been here for like the last 40 years and it is just like non-military spy equipment. That's okay. like, yes, you can put this low jack on someone's car and GPS them for 50 on the bucks. third <laughs> Thursday of the month, you go to spy <laughs> yeah exactly you, you, you buy the equipment you take that back to your cheap hotel room you figure out how to use it that night then on the third friday yeah go to the game castle find the party van yeah do what you gotta do do, do whatever you gotta do to yeah. just bust well bust i think this has been uh really informative i think we've given some yeah. people enough well, instructions if yeah. you want it in even even cheaper way that's actually I can't imagine it's technically illegal. I don't know how tracking people is counted through GPS, but you know how they sell those little fobs to like uh, put on your keychain or in your wallet or something. If you lose something, you just go buy one of those. Yeah, same thing. Or or you could literally just follow the van home. I mean, you really probably uh, could. That's called notice. that's called field craft. Right. Um, yeah. You know, Casey Casey cannot spot a tail. Uh, he does not have yeah. that capability. No, in fact, the so van is You don't even have long. to be like three cars back. You just, you you can yeah. ride his bumper the entire way to his home. That's probably and, actually true. Uh, yeah. the, the, yeah, all the windows right are so tinted driveway. that like at night, yeah. I cannot see out the back windows. Yeah. Well, yeah, because he's got all that stuff in the party van. Those those yeah. back windows do not do what they're supposed to no, do. they really don't. I don't no. even know if it's street legal, but that's not the point. Uh, in California, probably not nevada it's all right it's all right yeah <sighs> and Great on that state. note <laughs> thank you again for joining us on another episode of paint bravely if you enjoy this podcast please help us out by leaving us a review on itunes subscribing to the youtube channel and sharing this message with your hobby friends and as always we appreciate each and every one of you for listening and we will talk to you next time Talk to you next time, everyone. We appreciate you. Stay footloose. I do like you. All right, before we actually cut out, um, I'm just going to clarify this. I can cut this later if it's actually a thing, but someone had mentioned maybe... This is episode 35, okay? Um, 
maybe 30 episodes ago that you were purposely trolling them by bringing up Teal in every episode. Because without fail, in 35 episodes, Teal comes up. Okay, I think we need to be honest about this. Uh-huh. Um, I wasn't, but now we are. Yeah, I, th- I thought so. That's because that's that's the track I've been on for at least 30 episodes is trying to bring it there. I actually prefer the word turquoise over teal, but look where we are. That's I true. don't even know if they're synonyms or not. I mean, they're technically the same color, aren't they? Are they? Is one like more green? I, I, I don't know if one one's like blue, a little green. more blue and a little right. more green. Uh, we don't know. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's the same leave, idea. Leave a comment below if Matt doesn't edit this all out. Well, the irony is uh, Matt's Matt's on vacation this week. I'm editing this. <laughs> this is going to be a great episode. <laughs>